You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Backports Top Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. It's your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today, fans. Listen, we'll talk a little bit about the NFL draft. That is upon us. A little bit about the NBA. More so news from none other than Dwayne Wade or the play-in tournament, Coach Prime. But first to the NFL draft, Danny, it is truly upon us. There's a whole lot happening right now. A whole lot of head fakes a whole lot of lies right now being made, being told uh, all for the NFL draft, just to put some things out there, the atmosphere. So people and teams could really figure out what their next moves are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to be interesting. The number one pick is that being made by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We all know who they're going to take Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, urban Myers, the new head coach. And Jacksonville uh, may still be sorry for the next year or two. <laughs> but hopefully, in their eyes, they can turn things around. Um, then the second pick is none other than the New York Jets, and followed by the third pick being the San Francisco 49ers. Danny, out of this draft, uh, it just seems like the quarterback position is hotly, hotly touted. And it seems like probably out of the first 10 picks, Five of them are going to be quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens, man. This is it's going to be exciting. Uh, I will say I, I did get tired of hearing about some of the NFL draft talks uh, on sports news coming from a podcaster <laughs> talking about sports. <laughs> um, but after a while, it just got so repetitive, man. It got so repetitive hearing the same things over and over and over. Uh, I'll just say this. The NFL draft being in Cleveland, I am going to be happy to see some fans in the stands um, just to be able to really celebrate the fact that we got past. Well, we're in the midst of getting past COVID, but I just think that the NFL we'll see what happens, man, with the draft. Uh, I think when you think about this draft, Masters draft was wide receiver heavy. Mm hmm. This year's draft is wide receiver heavy, quarterback heavy. But when you think about the offensive tackles, I, I think you really need to start thinking about keeping your quarterback upright. Super Bowl yeah. told you that last this past Super Bowl, Mahomes. <laughs> exactly, man. And I think when you think about the likes of Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, who ended his season last last season, his rookie campaign with an injury, you need to keep him upright. I think you need to look, really look at Cincinnati Bengals, an offense and tackle, just to really protect the blind side, really just protect him. We'll see. But there were rumors about Chase from LSU being a possibility there, a wide receiver. But, man, listen, man, try to keep your quarterback upright. Otherwise, he's going to get hurt again. Danny, what's your Falcons going to do, man? Jason, I think there's two key components to this draft. One is the San Francisco 49ers at pick three. Because then that dictates which direction the Falcons may go. 
So Fontenot, who's the GM, stated that is best player available. That's his mindset going into the draft. And from my standpoint, Matt Ryan's long the tooth since his 2016 MVP campaign. He's shown flashes, but he's on the, he's on the downside unless the new head coach, Arthur Smith, can bring something out of him. So that all being said, there's a few ways they can go with this pick. They can go quarterback. And my thought is if Justin Fields falls to four, they're going to take him. But also Julio Jones is long in the tooth. So you have an opportunity to get Kyle Pitts out of Florida, who is a hybrid tight end slash receiver, generational type player that it would be a nice transition from Julio to him to pair with Ridley. Jamar Chase is right there, but I would not use that pick on a wide receiver, in my opinion. Pitts, because he's he's a bigger dude, tight end. I like it. So versus Chase. And then there's also Penny Sewell, offensive lineman you just mentioned. And with Matthews being there, that kind of tells me that they're not going to go offensive line. And they have some rookies from last year they picked. So it's either Pitts or quarterback. I'm so looking forward to this draft to see how this all plays out. Because it's been, like you said, it's smokescreen heavy because these dudes don't have anything to talk about. And no one has an idea. Exactly. So it's all guesswork out here. Hell, I'm guessing right now. But it all depends because you don't know what the 49ers are going to do. You know, speaking of pitch, man, you know, being that he's a tight end who is a pass catcher, I wonder how that's going to really play out for him, not only now, but in the future, in where should he be getting paid wide receiver type money, where wide receivers get paid more money than tight ends Yep, uh, typically. I wonder how that's going to really play out there for him. And would that be really a factor in a team going for him now? Because that would be considered a huge investment moving forward. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some, as they say, a quarterback runs the franchise. So it's going to be interesting, like you said, how, how this really, really shakes out. And one um, other thing, Jason, mm-hmm. to add to that, do they trade down and out of the pick? Depending on who, you know how this goes on draft night, and they won't move up that draft board to their spot. They're in a key spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do they fall back and amass more picks? So they're, I, do, I don't envy Fontenot <laughs> in this position, but he has a plethora of ways he can go. I think he can't go wrong with either Pitts or a quarterback because Matt Ryan, you can't keep paying him $40 million. I'm sorry. Where you can pay a rookie quarterback, the minimum, and then build your defense up because your defense is terrible. Danny, Justin Fields, man, I think he's being done wrong, man. I think he's being done wrong. I mean, there's reports out now that uh, he suffers from uh, epilepsy. Uh, Seems to have it under under control. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be a family uh, history based upon reports that I've read, and the family has it under control. The older that he has gotten, the more he has gotten it under control. So does it seem to be a huge problem right now? But uh, I commend them for letting the NFL teams know, letting them uh, be aware of his medical condition. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it got out. Every report that that I read says sources. And it's one of the things that troubles me about that 
is here you have a young man who is telling you his medical history. Shouldn't an organization keep that medical history private out of respect for the young man? And this may be how a team's trying to have him drop. Exactly. And this is the smoke screens. Stuff. I mean, this is the games that they play, man. Uh, at the at the at the expense of him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you would have thought HIPAA or some form of privacy type related rules and regulations and laws, you know, really plays mm-hmm. a factor. But man, this is just it just it reeks of him being done wrong, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens. I think things will come out eventually about all this, quite honestly. And we'll see how it will impact his uh, draft position because mm-hmm. uh, there are several teams even in the 14 15 slot, slots up there i mean you have new england l- probably looking for a quarterback don't sleep on minnesota looking for a quarterback yeah man i, I mean, agree there this thing i think there's going to be a whole lot of wheeling and dealing <laughs> in this last week man that it's this going to be really uh quite interesting to see how it really all plays out for sure And now on to the NBA and where Danny Dwayne Wade has become a part owner of the Utah Jazz team governor, a majority owner, but we'll call it say governor is Ryan Smith, who recently bought out uh, the Utah Jazz. And my understanding, based upon some of the articles here, is that Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith have developed a f- friendship and and lo and behold, uh, Dwayne Wade has uh, become part owner of the Utah Jazz. And Dwayne Wade becomes the most recent player who has, former player who has become a part owner of a NBA franchise. You have likes of Grant Hill mm-hmm. for the Atlanta Hawks, Shaquille O'Neal for Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. And who can forget uh, Michael Jordan being the majority governor owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Magic Johnson at one point had a 4% stake in the Los Angeles Lakers. Dwayne Wade becomes the most recent former player to become a uh, part owner. So this is very interesting, man. I'm happy to see this. But you know, one thing that really kind of made me think, man, did the Miami Heat offer Dwayne Wade a ownership stake Mm -hmm. uh, at one point in time? And it seems like they have. Uh, It just seemed like Dwayne Wade never took part of that. So that is just interesting. Utah of all places, nothing against Utah, Salt Lake City. It's just an interesting combination there, man. Yep. Uh, but it's good to see former players really becoming uh, part owners in the NBA, learning the business behind the scenes, and hopefully seeking to become a more of a full owner uh, or full governor uh, at some point in time. What are your thoughts on that, Danny? Yeah, definitely a contrast from Miami to Utah, weather, amongst other things. And Miami Miami being Dwayne Wade's home, was there something that held him back from joining that ownership group or uh, being a minority owner in that group? We don't know. uh, And we probably won't find out anytime soon. But I think this starts to pave the way for first seeing A-Rod go to Minnesota. Now D-Wade's doing this. 
And who's next? So like you said, majority owner, team governor, obviously is the goal. Mm-hmm. But at this point is baby steps. So you can take what you take, what you can get and then start blazing that trail for others to come behind you. And then, like you said, learn the ropes and pass that knowledge on. And hopefully there are other opportunities in the near future for others to join D Wade from an ownership perspective. So congratulations to him. Um, that's definitely a huge move. Uh, like he's moving on in his second life, if you want to call it that being an entrepreneur, businessman. So it's not only from the NBA perspective, but just in general to show people there is hope and keep working hard, invest your time, invest your money, keep learning. And I would say this is a legacy move by Dwayne Wade as well. Um, mm-hmm. Passing potentially something on off to yep. his uh, children and, and family. Um, but I would say this though too, Danny, I cannot wait until the question is asked directly to Dwayne Wade about the whole Miami heat situation. Yep. I really want to know about that. And I'm curious as to his response. And I'm really hoping it's not one of those canned responses, mm-hmm. the legally correct response. I just want to know, D-Way, hey, man, how come you did not go for the ownership stake in the Miami Heat? I really would want to know that. And I'm wondering if it has something to do with Pat Riley, because I believe Pat Riley has an ownership stake in the Miami heat. I think that's one of the reasons why he came down from mm-hmm. New York to Miami uh, because of potentially an ownership stake. So I'm really intrigued by this story. I'm wondering if it has, again, something to do with Pat Riley possibly having more ownership stake than D Wade would. And maybe there could, could have been a power struggle there behind the scenes that D Wade just didn't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. It just really makes me wonder how how that really, you know, really plays out. I mean, you have Alonzo Mourning in the uh, executive suite, if you will. I'm wondering if if Alonzo Mourning has any type of ownership stake there. So I'm just one. I'm really curious as how that all is working behind the scenes. So and Jason, he mentioned when he did his first interview after taking this position with the Jazz, he has a say in the organization. So mm-hmm. I think you're on to something where maybe with Miami, it was like, yeah, you can be an owner or a minority owner, but you have no impact on day-to-day mm-hmm. decisions. You're mm-hmm. just take your stake and move along. Whereas mm-hmm. in Utah, he has influence on what they're doing. Any businessman, you know, at that, at that level, yeah. you want some type of power. Yep. So, so true. So, so true. He, that opportunity spoke to him and, like you said, there may have been something else. There may have been a lot of layers in Miami versus Utah. Mm-hmm. It's just him and uh, Ryan Smith calling mm-hmm. the shots. Yep. And now to a little talk about the Brooklyn Nets. Danny, the Brooklyn Nets are a mess right now. They are injured beyond injured right now. Uh, you have KD who had a thigh contusion, set out past couple games here. Uh, and then you have... James Harden, who uh, re-injured his hamstring, is sitting out indefinitely. And then you have LaMarcus Aldridge, who, congratulations to him, retired, primarily due to health reasons, irregular heartbeat. Uh, And so he chose family uh, over uh, basketball. 
Mm-hmm. So right now the Brooklyn Nets are actually, for like a bit of worse, scrambling. And Danny, we only have maybe another month in the season. <laughs> I believe the big three has only played maybe 10 games, if that, together. Uh, and so I'm just really curious as how this is all really going to gel in a series, especially against a team that has been playing together for a good period of time like the Milwaukee Bucks or even like the Philadelphia 76ers how is that really going to all gel together for the Brooklyn Nets I don't know we'll see how this all shakes out and then you have Kyrie taking some games off here and there causing some additional news and also yeah Danny this is going to be really interesting yeah Jason I think you just wonder how this is all going to play out and then is this more or less their, what do you want to call it, by year, just due to all the things going on, where next year is the year they're really going to bring it? As we've talked about offline, this is a golden opportunity for the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, to really take advantage of the state they're in right now. The other side of it is, if they're all healthy, they're coming in rested. Do they just, are they able to just turn it on as a group and just plow through the playoffs. I don't see that at this point in time, just due to, like you said, it's just been somebody's here, someone's in, someone's out, someone's injured, someone's sitting, whatever the case may be. So definitely for the East this year, another golden opportunity for Milwaukee in particular to get to the finals. Looking at the seating, I would definitely try to get that number one spot to avoid Brooklyn in the second round. I'd rather play, I think New York, the New York Knicks are in the fourth spot right now. I'd rather play them in the second round than Brooklyn. The Bucks have the Sixers back-to-back here so they can make up a couple games uh, these next couple nights to make that final charge to try to get that one spot. Because, like I said, I'd rather play, from their perspective, Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference Finals than in the second round and take my take my chances there. And as we're talking about the playoffs, Danny, we have to talk about the NBA and their play-in tourney. This is something that stems from, obviously, when they were in the bubble, uh, they decided to, to try out this play-in tournament. This year is no different. This year, the play-in tournament is going to begin on the 18th of May, conclude on the 21st. And this is kind of how it's set up. The teams with the 7th and 8th highest winning percentages in each conference will each have to have two opportunities to win one game to earn a playoff spot. The teams with the ninth and 10th highest winning percentages in each conference will each have to win two consecutive games to earn a playoff spot. So basically the ninth and the ninth seed is going to be playing against the 10th seed. The seventh seed is going to play against the eighth seed. Basically how this thing is structured. I'm getting this from NBA.com. This is going to be played in between the conclusion of the regular season right before, obviously, the main playoff run here. It, it seems like kind of how they have this set up is the teams have to win consecutive games uh, and then they'll get slotted into the entire bracket and all. They're trying something. I guess they're really trying to ensure that there's still some competition happening towards the tail end of the season for four additional teams in each conference just to make sure that there's a push for the playoffs. So the ninth and 10th seeds will play against each other. The winner of that will be dubbed 
the eighth seed. And then the seventh and eighth seed, the winner would ultimately, you know, obviously be seated. The loser would have to actually play the winner of that nine, 10 seed. And then that would be dubbed the uh, eighth seed. So nonetheless, I think it's something to kind of keep the competition going. Seven versus eight. The winner is placed in the bracket as the seventh seed. Yep. And then the loser would have to play the winner of the ninth and 10th seeded playing game. Okay. And then that w- winner would be placed as the eighth seed. If I was, you know, somebody, uh, if I was a team six, seven, eight, man, I'd be mad as hell. You've been busting your tail this whole time anyway to get to that point. So you mean tell me I got to play in? So my whole season is coming down to really a couple of games. You definitely don't want to be in that seventh seed. <laughs> you better you be in that seventh seed, man. You better get that six. And I think that's what people have been telling Luca and Mark Cuban. Hey, man, listen, just stop whining and get into that six seed. Yep. If you don't want to be in this play-in tournament, there's um, there's the incentive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this this is something else, man. I think – let me ask you this, Danny. How much longer do you think this thing's going to go, this playing tournament? I would say they'll run this through, and we'll see how many people complain about it. And if there's enough complaining about it, it'll be scrapped after this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I can see this. I can see them giving it one more one more shot after this. I can see them when fans are fully there. I can see them saying, okay, we tried it without fans. Let's try it at least one time with fans. A little more revenue more revenue so that way they can start feeling okay yeah we see what why this is the case more revenue possibly more eyes because then they know these teams are going to be playing hard it's like a march madness game yep we'll see what happens man now on to coach Deion sanders and we had to bring this up danny because there have been reports out there that uh, as a result of Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, uh, since he has come to Jackson State, the school's athletic department has generated the equivalency of $185 million in advertising and exposure, uh, according to a university spokeswoman. Then we talked about this. I mean, to be someone to a university with Deion Sanders' talent, his marketability, and exposing not only the university to the possibilities, but really garnering more marketing opportunities, more exposure, social media exposure to a university, to an athletic department. It Sometimes it doesn't always have to be about giving the dollars. Sometimes it's about giving the exposure to get the dollars from other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what Deion Sanders is actually doing here, man. $185 million. This is only his first year. He's only coached four months, man. And just imagine all the money for upgrades and things like that to the actual, from the actual program that is generating that can help the school. Actually, too, for the play, from the player's perspective, to soak up game from Coach Prime, the business acumen he has, the marketing genius he is, that's a, that's a win-win for the, student athlete it's a huge win when coach prime says you know we're going to teach the young men how to get money off of their likeness 
based upon this new law that has been uh, signed in the state of Mississippi uh, most recently. And that is nothing, that is also a huge recruiting advantage that really Coach Prime can use. So, man, this is outstanding. I'm happy for Jackson State. Yes, I am a fellow HBCU, FAMU, Rattler. But, man, I'm just happy for Jackson State and really all of HBCU land. And I think, honestly, this is what Tennessee State was targeting as well, Danny. I mean, Mm -hmm. you have Eddie George now uh, on the horizon becoming the coach or is now the head coach. I bet you they're thinking, well, is Jackson State got $185 million equivalency of exposure? Wonder how much we can get. But Coach Prime is a different bird, man. Yeah, he is. He he knows how to work it. He's been doing it ever since we were exposed to Coach Prime. Deion Sanders back in the day, prime time with mm-hmm. Florida State. Mm-hmm. He's always been about capitalizing the moment and marketing himself. That's why I said for him to come in, generate this revenue, work with the governor of Mississippi, along with others to get this bill passed, so kids can get paid for their image likeness. That's huge, mm-hmm. man. And how long since September he's been there? So yeah, it's yeah, and this has spring football. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's always thinking ahead too. So that's the other thing. Like I said, his brain works differently, mm-hmm. and that was a huge gift for Jackson State. Mm-hmm. Someone like him because he's going to champion the program. He's going to champion the players and make sure that they understand what's going on and can capitalize going forward. So, like I said, all the players there, please take advantage of soaking up the game if you can because it'll only set you up for success going forward. And I would say this, too, soak it up while while you can because there's no telling how long Deion is going to be there. Yep. Uh, I think he signed a four-year contract. I mean, I know his sons are coming coming in the door. But they can just easily get into a transfer protocol. Mm-hmm. This is year one. Uh, year two is going to happen here starting in September. We'll see how long he stays, but soak it up while, while you can. And there you have it. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.